folks, welcome to episode 24 of Bikes, Burgers, Beers. I'm Big Steph, your host, and before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone that this is the final one-on-one interview of our series. It ends today. But don't worry, season two of Bikes, Burgers, Beers is already being planned, so we will be back next year with loads more interesting interviews with folks within the industry that help shape our road rules and policies that help us motorcyclists stay safe out there. We'll also have loads more interviews with companies who make products that are specific to us right here in Australia. I always am a big fan of supporting your local So make sure you look out for those episodes. And uh, the best way to keep updated is to subscribe. What? You haven't subscribed yet? I'll wait. Go and click the button. That means we will see you next year. But heads up though, while this is our last interview of the year, next episode we'll be publishing our very final show of the season, which will be called Riding Shotgun with Steph. It is a final episode that'll contain short little interviews with everyone I'm going to meet at the Grey Gum Cafe on the 4th of December. So if you live in New South Wales, or maybe even interstate if you're allowed to do so, come along, get out there, camp there the night, and I'll see you out there. It's a chance to meet many Australian content creators who will be there, along with some other notable organisations that all help support our community. So folks, with the housekeeping out of the way, let's get on with the show. If you haven't heard of the Enfield guy, well it's likely that you aren't really a Royal Enfield fan anyway, and that's okay, because folks, we all have our foibles. Just kidding. (laughs) I myself love all motorcycle brands. I I love all the crap bikes and I love all the good bikes and everything in between. However, Jim, the Royal Enfield guy, is a huge Royal Enfield fan, uh, even bigger than me. I haven't owned many Royal Enfields, but my Classic 500 is a bike that I will never sell, and I've mentioned that here on the show before. Jim thinks very similarly towards a lot of his bikes, and a lot of them are Royal Enfields. Some of his are even hanging up around certain venues in Sydney, which we'll talk about in the show later. And it turns out that Jim's also a fellow musician. Hey, (laughs) what can I say? He's automatically a good guy. So folks, kick back with a cold snack. Let's have a listen to what the Enfield guy shares with us today. How are you traveling? How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. I'm actually feeling a bit under the weather today. I think the weekend caught up to me. I went for a big ride with a couple of mates out to Yagara, out west into sort of um, central western New South Wales. Oh, wow. And Saturday and Sunday were supposed to not be raining, but it was just storms, flooding, single-digit temperature range. We were we were soaked. We were just exhausted. We still had lots of fun. Um, yeah. But, you know, like... The, the ride was also full of mishaps as well. Like one of the guys, okay. half an hour into it, on the we, we tried to go around Tarana and go that way and we we're going to go towards Oberon and then head out west. We got to ta- well, we got to Tarana Road. Uh, or no, sorry, what was it? Um, I could have been near the sod walls. It was closed because it was flooding and the roads were shut. So we got back onto the highway and as we did, the, the leader must have hit an oil patch or something. And... On a Harley Davidson Road King, so you know we're talking a three hundred plus kilo bike, yeah. and and he um, he slid all over the place and made it like he 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 plowed through it, and somehow I, I thought he was a goner, you know, and he didn't drop it. 
He didn't drop it. He tank slapped left to right, full lock. The back of the bike was just sliding from left oh hand to God. right hand side of the lane. This is yep. at a hundred kilometers an hour on the highway. Right. And uh <laughs> I didn't have the GoPro on, so I didn't catch it either. <laughs> ah, bugger. But even still, like I mean, I've got goosebumps hearing that story. Oh, it's we, sometimes well, obviously it's worse being the rider. Um, because you could succumb to injury, but even yeah. watching those kind of things is just oh. That's terrifying. Yeah, it, it scared the daylights out of me. And I, we ended up pulling into the um, next petrol station, and I said to him, "Mate, are you okay?" And he said, "Yeah, I'm pretty shaken by that." And I said, "Well, let, let's stop and take a break for five minutes because the the fact that that happened was crazy enough because we couldn't we couldn't see anything on the road that was sort of you know suggesting that it would be that slippery apart, apart from rain. But we thought maybe there was a bit of ice on the road or something because it was bloody cold. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a bit of ice on the road. It's um, yeah, it's uh, it's known for it around there. But yeah, wow, Especially, oh, I'm glad yeah. everything worked out. Yeah, that was okay. And then on the way back, I I copped a bloody fine for making an illegal U-turn in front of a cop that was undercover <laughs> and dumb mistake. You know, like I regret oh. that one. It was just one of those things of oh, there's a parking spot, and I just you know chucked a UE without thinking. As you do. Uh, you know, and it was like there wasn't any lines on the road. There wasn't any traffic lights ahead. It was it was just one of those situations where yeah, cop right there and an undercover cop a hundred meters away, and yeah, whoops. Oh well, there goes four points and three hundred dollars. So <laughs> oh, ouch. Yeah, okay. You know, and he, yeah, that's empty. I, I nearly thought he was just going to warn me and give me a lecture because he was like, oh, looks like you've got a clean history here, and you know, like. Yeah, you, you know, you've been a good road user. You got a gold license. You all this stuff, and 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 I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm just saying, yep, that's true. I said, look, it was just <laughs> an honest little mistake. And then he went back. He went to the car and he came back and he's like, yep, you, you know, your fine will be issued to you, blah blah blah. And I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you nearly had me there. You nearly had me. I thought I thought you were gonna, you know, just give me a big lecture about riding safe and. It's a roll of the dice sometimes. Uh, look, you uh, know, touch, touch, touch wood, I haven't um, had too many fines over the years. But, um, yeah, absolutely. And, look, I think, oh, look, who knows about discretionary sort of, you know, fines yeah. with, 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 um, with police. But, uh, yeah, I guess sometimes you might get let off. Sometimes you don't. So it's a, it's a roll of the dice almost. But it was, it was bad luck, you know. Yeah. Right place at the right time, I guess, <laughs> for him yeah. anyway. For him, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and you suffer off revenue, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, still, still a good ride. But I've got this yeah. this head cold now, just from being soaked and cold, and you know, and it's it caught up to me. So, but apart from that, going great. It was still a good ride. I'm sure we'll laugh about it years later. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll start off by by talking about where your passion for motorcycling all started. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it, it probably stems back to my first time riding, which is uh, probably goes back to when I was about eight. So I won't give too much away, but, you know, maybe 40 years ago. Um, <laughs> there you go. Do the maths. And uh, my cousins actually had, um, this is just in Box Hill, which is sort of, you know, towards um, uh, Windsor and Richmond, I guess, from memory, where it was. Yeah. They had uh, some, you know, little Peewee 50s and quad bikes and things like that, that they had a decent sized block of land where they had horses and, and that. So, you know, to me, that was a... A, a huge interest and a, and a massive shock to think, hey, my parents are letting me sit on this thing that's got an engine strapped to a bicycle. Uh, and my uncle and cousins are like, yep, just just go for it. You know, you, you'll work it out. 
and um, and that that was loads of fun. So it, that sort of sparked my interest, you know, in bikes back then. And I think it sort of developed further from that with, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, history in my family. My, my granddad used to ride a lot of old British bikes and stuff like that. Okay. And he was a big sort of uh, a reason for why I kind of lean towards that style of bike now. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm passionate about sort of, uh, you know, Royal Enfields and, and uh, yeah, I think it, it probably stems a lot from him. Right. What was one of the most notable bikes you've had in the past? Ooh, um, it's one I've still got now, which is actually up at Surfside uh, Motorcycle Garage in Brookvale in Sydney, Okay, um, which is a 1961 Royal Enfield Clipper. And the reason why that's, I guess, notable or, or sort of, you know, it's a good sort of conversation piece, that bike, and part of the reason maybe why it's up there too, um, is because it's, you know, the, the genesis of it, it, it kind of started as a um an everyday kind of a to b kind of bike in the 60s right made in redditch in the uk and from that spawned a couple of other models which we know as the crusader and then the continental gt so the cafe racer that you see today from royal Enfield, you can kind of trace the lineage back to uh i won't say exactly my bike the clipper but it's that same era of bikes so yeah they kind of went from a a town bike to more of a a cruiser in the crusade and then the sports version of the um continental gt so it's kind of cool to have a piece of royal enfield history that you know i don't know that there's any others in australia and there's not as many i don't think in the world that are as kind of you know, good a nick as this one so that's probably the most notable one that i've got at the moment oh very cool man have you always had a passion for British motorcycles? You, you mentioned because of your, your history, uh, with family history with them, but has always has that always been your main thing or have you owned any other particular brands, maybe some other countries of origin? I've always wanted to, always been chasing a Coventry Eagle. I don't know if you know that bike at all, but uh, another British bike. That's one that my granddad used to have and I just got a lot of photos of him on that with his brothers. Where did, they were sort of down the Aubrey way, I think, when they were sort of young pre-World War II. Okay. And um, so they had Coventry Eagles and BSAs. So I unfortunately haven't been able to, I could probably get a BSA now. They, they, they seem to be fairly, fairly common, but Coventry Eagle, I don't really have 200 grand lying around to, to pick one of those. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I've, I don't know what it is. I've, I've just always sort of lent towards the, the brands that have got a bit more history to them. Yeah. Um, you know, started from more humble beginnings being you know an arms factory or you know built lawnmowers or washing machines or whatever and yeah. started manufacturing bikes but um i actually funnily enough my first bike i started off with a, a high sun gv250 right okay which, i don't know if you know that model at all but i um, do yeah. so it's a cruiser type uh you know 250 cc uh, um it was a twin actually it was a, it was a twin but it was um it looked more badass than it, than it actually was you know to be honest it was <laughs> it was good fun to learn on uh or you know to, to have for for a number of years but yeah not sure that i'll go back to that in a hurry yeah absolutely not so it mentioning the hoisung as your your first bike i guess you you mean your first sort of road going legal motorcycle with a with a license so how long have you been riding for because that's that's not a it's not a new model but it's certainly not one that has some heritage behind it <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, so I guess in between, uh, you know, having a passion for bikers, bikes as a kid to actually, you know, buying my first bike, there's, there's quite a big gap there. But I did travel a bit and, you know, ride bikes sort of in Nepal, India, 
Vietnam, throughout Asia, places like that. So I kind of got my fix, I guess you'd call it that, for for riding by sort of you know being being overseas and and, and doing um, sort of holidays and stuff like that. But yeah, it wasn't until probably. 15 years ago that I actually went through the whole process and got my license here. So, okay. Yeah. And what, what bike followed the, uh, the Hoisung? Uh, that was my first Enfield. So it's one that I've still got now, which was a 2010. Uh, now it's, it's, this is a, it, it's a tricky one because it's named so many different things. Um, <laughs> when this model came out, because it's when Enfield introduced the, uh, EFI. Yep. For their for their 500 series uh, bullets, but it's known as a, a 2010 G5 Classic Chrome Bullet. So it's got Classic in there, it's got Bullet, and I think in one mark as well, it's called an Electra. So we'll just call it we'll call it a 500 CC Bullet. Um, yeah. And that's probably the bike I'm, you know, not to be a jerk, but probably best known for in terms of, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's had a bit of, uh, you know. Um, it's been shown around a little bit, so yep. yeah, it's still yep. a really fun bike. I absolutely love it. And that that was a model that came without the kickstart, wasn't it? No, that that does have the the kickstart. Ah, so okay. It because might have been I've... a C five after that. Okay, because I've got a two thousand and ten model C five. Uh huh. And and it didn't come with the kickstart. It's the only year model that didn't come with the yep. kickstart. And um, yeah. Yeah, that that let me uh, that got me stuck about a month ago when the starter relay finally died, right. and um, yeah, couldn't start the bike, so I had to clutch starter. But if I had a kickstarter, I would have just been able to kickstart it, and I'll probably never replace the <laughs> the starter it, relay. It is, it is an absolute lifesaver, especially if there's you know periods where I've left the bike and not uh, practice as I preach and and not you know put the the uh, battery on tri- trickle charge or anything, and um, you know gone gone to kick it over and all. Oh, you know, start it up and just doesn't yeah. go. But the kickstart, yeah, is an absolute um, lifesaver. It is a bit, yeah. yeah. I um, I don't regret buying the bike, but I did wish it had a kickstarter. But yeah, I'm also thinking because for me, that's a bike I'll never sell either. For me, it's like, well, when it comes time to doing an engine rebuild, I will likely get the mechanism and the side case that has the kickstarter, um, uh, the the channel for it, the assembly. Yep. and and definitely get it so it has a Kickstarter on there because I just think it'd be it'd be great to have it on there as a more authentic thing and I, I don't, I'm not really sure why Enfield Royal Enfield chose not to put a Kickstarter on just that model I'm not sure what happened there and then and then they went back and did it anyway and they have since yeah I look bizarre I don't know if it was a um, a supply and demand type thing and and they were using those. Um, casings on the 350 as well I, i'm not entirely sure i know that yeah. it is obviously a little bit smaller but uh yeah it may have just been the um the styling of it as well not to have it on the c5 yeah but uh look I, i'll i'll get to the bottom of it for you matt i'll speak to the guy oh. in the tech department and say <laughs> we need answers <laughs> we, need we need to know we need answers and give this guy a kickstarter <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what we oh. Can do. <laughs> oh man that'll be awesome if you can <laughs> Uh, so what followed that bike? What came after that? So what came after that was... Well, I should say in addition to that because you still have yeah, it. Yeah, still got it. Yeah, in addition after that was... It was actually the the Clipper that we spoke about okay. before. So that I've had that for you know for, for quite a few years now. And, and that was actually an interesting story getting that one too. That was from a guy in Dural who had... Uh, he was part of a, like a, a classic sort of car and bike club. 
but he and his old man had actually bought a Clipper and a Crusader as basket lots from uh, from Iran. Right. Okay. Yeah, and they were completely dis- uh, disassembled. And look, I won't go into you know, or even pretend to know the ins and outs of um, you know uh, Iranian sort of uh, politics and and uh, <laughs> and and what bikes you can and can't have. But there were certain reasons behind having a pillion carrying bus uh, motorcycle that they were illegal at some point, I, I believe. And so that's why they were dismantled and, and sort of shipped overseas. Um, right, okay. But he, he and his old man sort of had a project to do these bikes up and that's sort of where this one came about. It just fell in my lap. I wasn't looking to buy it or, or, or at all. And a friend said, oh, you should see this on uh, on Gumtree. And next minute, there I am, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> rolling up with, uh, with a trailer and, and, and picking it up. So they had assembled yeah. it. They had put it together and got it running, or was it still yeah. in, in parts? No, it was still it, it was running, and right. I've kept cool. it as good as I guess as clean as I can and, and true to what those guys did. I, you know, I won't claim to, to have done you know loads of work on it. I've, I've done plenty of sort of maintenance and keeping it going, but yeah. Um, yeah, they they did the hard yards on that bike, and they geez, they did a pretty good job. Fantastic. But uh, yeah, after that was I, I want to be. Um, geographically correct as well a himalayan royal enfield himalayan okay yeah. or himalayan as as, as <laughs> we call them in australia um and that was an awesome bike i i really do miss that bike i don't have it anymore um, okay i just sold it because of space i didn't really have the the room at home yeah. to hang on to it but they in my mind you know besides taking a bullet into the himalayas and putting off-road tires on it they'd be the best bang for buck um yeah adventure bike out there i think like there's not much you, you can't do with them I, I know that the purists you know ktm riders and everything out there will, will sort of be shaking their heads and going ah what are you talking about but i think for the novice um adventure rider they they answer every you know everything is friday pretty yeah pretty much yeah and after that i had a two oh no a 1980 Enfield, it was another bullet. I can't remember what variant it was, okay. um, but I had that as a a project bike to do up and, and just sort of get going. I was okay. thinking of putting a sidecar on it, but that fell by the wayside time again, just um, just got away. And that's now up on the wall at, at Surfside or the, I don't know if you've been there, but the cafe out the front called Chubbs. It's like a burger, um, American fair kind of, you know, yep. bar in there. And they've yep. got it up on the wall there. Okay. Um, so they got both two of your bikes in there, do they? Or they do, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I sold the um, the uh, one that's on the wall to the, to them, so that's that's not with me anymore. That one. Ah. Okay. Um, and then an interceptor. So I, I picked up an interceptor a couple of years ago when they when they first came out. So yeah. that's the um, yeah. So currently, what what were we up to there? I've got one at Surfside. I've got two in the garage here. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got there in the end. Yeah. Alrighty, folks, we've come to that point in the show today where we're going to take a short break to hear from our show sponsors. Please stay tuned and remember, those discount codes still apply, so make sure you use them. Are you thirsty? Mouth drier than the Nullarbor on Christmas Day? Need something to put the fire out? Well, head on over to willytheboatman.com and grab yourself a slab of Sydney's finest little brewery's sweet, golden, refreshing cold snack. My favourite is the Nectar of the Hops. 
How can you enjoy the refreshing beers, you ask? Jump over to the website because Willie is offering you beautiful listeners a huge 20% discount off any purchase off their website. Yep, 20% off for beer that's delivered right to your door. All you got to do is enter the code hashtag BikesBurgersBeers at checkout. No spaces. I'll put it in the show notes below. That's hashtag BikesBurgersBeers for a massive 20% discount. I'm going to crack one of the delicious ales open right now. Ah, Willie the Boatman, I ain't thirsty no more. Mate, what's that? What? That helmet. Those gloves. They're boots. Did you grab them from the garbage bin? No, I've been wearing them for decades. D- decades? Come on, mate. You need to go to johnnyrep.com.au and get yourself some new gear. They're giving our listeners 15% discount using the code BIKES15. B-I-K-E-S-1-5. No spaces. Use it at the checkout and grab yourself some new gear. Get yourself a new helmet. Get yourself some new gloves. Maybe a jacket, pants, boots, and there's heaps more on the website. You're joking. I'm as serious as their gear. And with the 15% off discount, you've got it made. Can I use it with any other code? Nah, don't be scummy, mate. They're giving you a free hot chip and you want the whole bag? Yeah, righto. Head over to johnnyreb.com.au for your 15% off discount using the code BIKES15. johnnyreb.com.au Nice one. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, back to the show. So it's pretty it's pretty safe to say you are the Enfield guy. And uh as luck would have it, you are the, actually the Enfield guy. Can you tell us there a little bit, Can you tell us a bit about that and, and how that all started, especially with all your social media and YouTube channel and all that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um so I think it, it came about when I bought the the bullet, the two thousand ten bullet. Um I didn't buy that new. I saw it in I mean I knew I wanted to get one for, for the longest time. And I saw it in an antique shop in, um, I think it was maybe Wentworth Falls, so up in the mountains. Just happened, my in-laws used to have a bed and breakfast up, up that way. And okay. I'd always drop in and look at, you know, knickknacks and, and bits and pieces and stuff. And um, and I saw an Enfield sitting in there. I was like, what is this thing doing in here? I thought, <laughs> okay, had a bit of a chat, ended up, you know, took it off his hands and, um, and the rest is history. So that bike was the classic chrome sort of, bullet which was you know a really pretty bike beautiful looking classic yeah. modern classic with a chrome tank and sort of gold and, and black lettering on it and that was a bike that i swore i'd never change and never do anything to it and i kind of started a, a facebook i guess you call it a page it's not really a blog but just just wanting to share i guess my adventures riding it around sydney new south wales and stuff and um looking to meet sort of like-minded enfield enthusiasts and I guess sort of at the time when I bought that, there weren't really many people in Australia who had Enfields. I mean, I'm not sure when you yeah. bought yours, but did you buy yours recently I, or sort of? Well, I, I, pro- I bought it about four or five years ago now. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I was aware of them and I remember when they sort of officially came back into the country uh, and, and were selling here and people weren't like importing them on their own or anything like that. But yep. But even then it was pretty rare to see one. You yeah. Know? It was... Yep. Um, it, it really wasn't on the radar at all, at, at, at all, and you had to be someone who just knew about them already, yep, uh, or stumbled upon it and thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's sort of what happened with me. So, I um, I, I kind of stood out a bit, you know, like a sore thumb, I guess, with with the Royal Enfield going to some of the bike bike meets or some of the some of the you know groups I used to ride with, Sydney Cafe races and and um, 
and that sort of in uh, more metropolitan Sydney. Um, yeah. So they, they were mainly about uh, triumphs and, and, you know, some older, uh, you know, classics as well. I think yeah. there's one other Enfield in the group, but not too many. And, yeah. and anyway, so, so that blog that I started was REB 500. So Royal Enfield Bullet 500. Yep. And again, it was just about pictures of going out for group rides and, and different mods I was sort of doing to the bike, but not trying to make it too different to what it would actually actually was but yeah i think from that it you know i, I had no intention of, of trying to do anything anything big with it it was more just um organic and kind of turned into a page that you know people would share pictures of their bike uh of, of their infields and and ask you know i'll oh, put this new muffler on you know where, where did that come from what can you tell us about that and became a bit of a, a little bit of a melting pot or a hub for people just to connect on and um and sort of ask or answer questions, a good, you know, community page. Yeah. And, and I think from that, it, yeah, that kind of got me more curious about the bike and what it was capable of and, and what I could do to change it. And I went against everything I really sort of believed. I'd had that bike for every, every reason and, and, you know, ended up changing the tank, the seat, the exhaust, tyres, uh, handlebar, just about, you know, just about everything on it. Right. And and I think, you know, why I mentioned before, you know, when did you get yours and and, and sort of, how well known were they at the time is that it was a bit of a contrast to have an Aussie guy with an infield, you know, the pictures I'd share and, and the opera house and, and, you know, Harbour bridge in the background guys in India would see this and just going, how did you get the bike over? You know, <laughs> but these are local guys, um, you know, who might be in Mumbai or, or, or um, Goa or Delhi or wherever, just not knowing that the brand had exported to, to Australia. So that's right. Yeah, so it kind of it, it picked up um, picked up from there, and I don't know. I just sort of went from there, creating a little bit of content on um, mainly on Facebook. That was the main sort of channel, and that it kind of went gangbusters for a while there. But I've kind of pulled the reins up a little bit on Facebook, only because okay. we all know it's a it's not sort of the main you know media sort of forum. Yeah, well, I think at one point it had about two hundred thousand followers on on the page, which was pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and that was in a short space of time too. Yeah, I guess that's sort of that's where it, that's where it began, and that's how sort of REB five hundred started. And then I think once the marketing guys in India, Royal Enfield, sort of cottoned on to sort of see that I was somewhere outside of India promoting this brand, and they were obviously selling them in Australia. And the guys at Urban Moto Imports who bring in Royal Enfield into Australia have um, uh, you know been fantastic to me as well, but. The guys in India really, um, I guess, were responsible for sort of picking me up and just saying, well, you know, can you show us a bit more in, in Sydney riding your bike? Okay, cool. And they had a real desire, I think, to show Enfields all around the world. So there were other people in the States at the same time who, I guess, are kind of unofficial ambassadors or, or whatever and that. So, yeah, that's where it kind of started. Well, fantastic, man. That's really cool. Yeah. So do you do you work fairly closely with Royal Enfield these days, or yes and no? I guess it's um it's one of those things that I, I've I've never gone and put my hand out and said oh I need to have this latest bike or oh, I need to have this I need to do this I need to do that but yeah yeah I absolutely do speak to the guys in Australia who who um, are the importers of of Royal Enfield. Okay, um, I go a lot of, on a lot of the launches that they that they have you know bringing the new bikes in. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and I don't know, I've just developed a really good network of, of, uh, of people who 
worked for Rolling Field over the years, and that's been through different forums, I guess, um, and you know, just through sharing content. And I don't know, yeah, it's it's sort of it's just it's developed organically over the last sort of nine years let's just say so yeah it's been pretty cool and it's been great to see the development and i know i'm going all one brand centric but it's um it, it's been pretty cool to see a brand that you know by all means maybe shouldn't really be here to be at the top of their sort of game now it's um it's a pretty cool story yeah oh that's really cool man that's um i, I was gonna say i've i've always been a fan of royal enfield and I I love the brand and that's that's probably why I'll never get rid of my classic 500. Um and you know it's just great great seeing that there's someone else in Australia that's a, a fanatic as well. And um you know I think I, I think like what you said before about you know that something something like Royal Enfield or the brand shouldn't really be in Australia because you know before before the uh, the 650 twins were were made available. Um you know, a lot of people think they're a slow bike. They don't handle very well. They're old. They're antiquated. And when you look at things on paper, uh, it doesn't make any sense. But when you ride the bike, in in my opinion, you kind of just fall in love with it. You know, and uh, I, I was recently on on Biker Talk with Ross, and he asked me about my Classic Five Hundred, and um, you know, it was one of those things that I, I said to him, I'll, "I'll never sell the bike because I absolutely love it." And you know, I I go shopping with it. I take it up the road. I, I you know wh- whatever it is, I take it on long trips as well. I take it off road. You know, I've done nearly every fire trail up here in the Blue Mountains with it, um, and and water crossings. And uh, you know, you said before maybe the KTM riders might be a bit, you know, poo poo the bike. But reality is, I've I've taken it everywhere. My mate on his GS twelve hundred has gone. So, <laughs> and there you go. I, I took a stock classic 500 from Delhi to Himachal Pradesh up near Dharamshala in India mm-hmm. where the Dalai Lama lives. We went to his, his palace um, or his, his, uh, his, his house there. And the stuff we, we put these bikes through, um, my God, like it, it, it proper, you know, just it threw everything at it. Yeah. And we made it the bikes made it um in altitude through rivers through you know going over shale sort of you know passes where you know big bowls and stuff like that it's i I won't say they're indestructible but they're pretty close to it i mean show me a bike that you can do a lot of that stuff with um that can still look that good afterwards and not be a a, (laughs) um a purpose-built um you know adventure bike and you know i'll eat my hat yeah but (laughs) I have to agree. I mean, I, I tinker with mine a lot and people that might have seen the YouTube channel that I've got along with the podcast, uh, even though the, the two are both called the same thing, they're not really related to each other because the, the YouTube videos are mostly me riding around and all that. But I also tinker with my bikes and the the repairs and things I do on, on my bike as I go along, you know, they're all just little jobs and most of them are, are probably just one or two steps above, you know, just regular maintenance. And the thing is, is that they're, they're super simple to work on. They're really reliable and easy to fix. And mm. I've, I've always found my experience, I also grew up um, driving Fiats and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and everyone yeah. can, you know, everyone knows all the jokes about Fiats and, you know, fix it again tomorrow or fix it again, Tony. Or <laughs> yeah, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I never had a single problem. And I always found 
that maybe because I'm a tinkerer and, and you know, I'm, I'm formerly a bike mechanic anyway, so I, yeah, I can right. work on my own stuff. But I always found that the, the small little bit of extra maintenance and tinkering allowed me to have a reliable vehicle regardless of whatever reputation they, they've got. And I think sometimes the reputation of, of a vehicle can come from uh, mechanics or, or people working on the bikes that don't really understand how to work on them properly. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm sad to say, and I'm probably going to offend a lot of people, but I don't really care because I... <laughs> <laughs> it's your channel and you can do whatever you want yeah exactly um i find a, a lot of people might have the opinion of oh well, that bike's rubbish so i don't really care on how i work on it or you know and and right. i fi- i found that um sometimes that that unreliability in inverted commas uh, for mm. our listeners who can't see us <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um can, can come from the fact that maybe they're just not worked on properly in the first place and I mean, yep. I, that, that goes across all brands, not just Royal Enfield. I mean, I did the fork seals on my friend's Honda Blackbird uh, a couple of weeks ago and the uh, the bolts in the bottom of the forks um, uh, in the bottom of the forks were put in with a rattle gun and you look right. at the workshop manual and it says they're only supposed to be 20 Newton meters, which is basically just a little bit tighter than finger tight. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's and, and of course the bolts broke inside the fork, so we had to drill them out and all that sort of stuff. So... You know, I'm, I'm saying that as a, a general thing across all brands, but I find that here in Australia, like talking about a bike that shouldn't be here, shouldn't exist, you know, uh, it, it's slow, it's underpowered, all that sort of stuff that people generally who haven't ridden one will generally talk about with the bike. And then you get on one and none of that matters. No. <laughs> you look cool as hell and I think they're, they're, they're a safe, reliable bike and... They're, they're nimble enough through Sydney traffic and they're, they're just a, a, an absolute joy to ride. And, that, yeah. and that's what kind of drew me to it as well. I, I, I never wanted to own an aggressive sports bike. I never wanted to have, a, a, you know, a, an enormous, um, you know, adventure bike either. And yeah. this kind of fit, fitted the bill for me for something that I use it for anyway. You know, I live on the northern beaches in Sydney and for me to get from here into work into the city or, you know, just scooting around the beaches with mates, it's... Um, they're, they're absolutely perfect. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, Fair, yeah, hundred percent for sure. Um, and I'm a Jeep, I'm a Jeep guy as well, right? So oh, okay. I mean, so did you say okay? Like saying, oh, poor you. No, I'm, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's what you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn it. But I, I get what you were saying before about the. <laughs> I get what you're saying before about the whole. Um, you know, pe- people may not be educated or they misunderstand. You know different brands because of someone's experience with it and they have yeah. a voice and they, they, they rubbish it. Cause I've had plenty of Jeeps and I've looked after them, um, service them regularly. And, and, you know, they, they've all done what they said they'd do and, and you can run them into the ground. You might get unlucky and get a bad one, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've been lucky with all the vehicles I've had, I think bikes and, and, um, and cars, but it's just about, I think being sensible and keeping, keeping up with your maintenance. That's probably Absolutely. the one you might give to people here. Yeah. Absolutely, man, and and I think you know with the Royal Enfield, especially the the Bullet and the Classics that's available here in Australia, really, uh, when you compare them to their other models that they have, like the Six Fifty Twins and and the new Meteor Three Fifty, uh, mm. and even the Himalayan for that matter, the the Bullet and the Classic really are the older design of of motorcycles. You know, they primarily 
uh, the, the design of that hasn't really changed. I mean, you can see how it's slightly morphed compared to something from 50 years ago, but reality yep. is, you know, all, all the tech and the, and the, um, uh, the, well, yeah, the technology and the metallurgy and all that is, is kind of still all old. And I mean, I know I'll ride the classic 500 and I love mine to bits. And then I test mm-hmm. rode the media 350 and it was like, wow, the, the suspension's refined and, the brakes actually have feel to them and you know like (laughs) i think the biggest thing was a suspension you know going over potholes and speed humps i was like wow this this is modern suspension on a classic looking motorcycle whereas the classic 500 and the the bullet um it's it's an old motorcycle but it still has old suspension and old brakes and (laughs) yeah sure and look i think that's their part of their mantra right and they 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 sort of focus on doing a few things yeah. these days but but do them really well absolutely and, and that and you, you can see uh, all you've got to do is take our 2010 uh bullets right or, or classics and compare them to the electra or um or an interceptor and it's chalk and cheese like they, they've yeah. come so far in, in, in 10 years it's it's absolutely crazy but still pay homage to the heritage i guess of, of, of the brand you know they, they've yeah. got this classic styling and, and everything yeah, I think I I think it still does without without looking like a bike that's um, oh you know and and not not poo pooing the other brands like Kawasaki and all that that make mm. retro looking bikes, but everything below the paint is pretty much just a hundred percent modern bike. Yeah, and and with Royal Enfield, I always feel like you're getting something a little bit more authentic that actually is older, and it's just that it's yeah. a new model. It's almost like getting new old stock, you know out of the yeah. cardboard box that's been on the shelf since 1960. Yeah, right. And I, I kind of like that. I mean, to me, to me, that appeals. You know, some people it doesn't. Some people like modern and ultra and, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I'd rather have something old and classic and, you know. Oh, dust, for sure, yeah. Dusty and oh. dirty. And <laughs> any any day of the week, that's me too. Yep. Yeah. So with the, with the, with the, well, any of your bikes, but mainly the Royal Enfield, do you... Hmm. Um, you know, we talked about commuting or, or going to the beach to see mates. Do you yep. any do you do any long trips on those? Like uh, any any sort of uh, touring that's you know a few hundred or maybe a few thousand kilometers at a time. Yeah, sure. Um, just recently, before Delta, I guess, or the you know latest sort of lockdown we've had in, in Sydney, me and a mate did a ride out um, to Hill End. So you know, it's a couple hundred sort of k's out there. Uh, that was on the interceptors. He's got an interceptor as well. And I've kind of converted mine into a bit of a scrambler or it's still sort of getting there, but uh, it's got the Hydenow K60 uh, tyres on there. So they're pretty, they're pretty, um, I was say super aggressive, but they're, they're more dual sport sort of catered to off-road than, yeah. than I guess, on-road. So, yeah. um, but they handle really well. And that was, that was an interesting ride, you know, like you mentioned before with your rider on the weekend, we, we copped out everything. And this was in, I think it was June or July. So coming over the back of the Blue Mountains near the Darling Causeway or just going past that sort of turn off, yep. uh, we got hit with this Arctic blast that um, I don't think I've ever felt anything like that before in my life. And then it just proceeded to rain the whole way. Oh. And it's, it is, it's a decent ride from around there. Yeah. out to um, heel end still like it's a couple it of hours it is and um that was uh it, it was fun you know it, it, it's good sort of it, it's character building but um <laughs> but yeah I, I i'm i'm trying at the moment i've actually just today 
got some um, some new new panniers in that I'm going to put on the bike to sort of try and kit it out for a little bit more, um, uh, I guess, touring yeah. um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's probably the main bike I take on longer distances at the moment. Okay. Oh, cool, man. Mm. What's one of the most memorable trips you've done on your Royal Enfields? I'd probably say... It's hard to answer really because I've done a lot of rides overseas on infields and some here, so I can probably give you one of one of each if you, if you want. <laughs> um, probably the, the best infield ride I've ever done would be um, in the Himalayas. That was back in 2016. Okay. And that was with uh, a good buddy, Scott, from Pipeburn. I don't know if you know Scott. Um, yeah. But he had um, me and a few other you know close mates from... Uh, from school and just buddies from I guess, the industry, a few guys from the States as well came along. And, and that was just a an epic ride, you know, for about eight days, like I said before, just throwing everything at it. And that was when the Himalayans just came out as well. So right. there were guys on Himalayans and we were just on classics, the rest of us, yeah. but just about kept up with them. Um, <laughs> and I'd say locally the best ride I've done or most memorable. Uh, I've done a few rides up towards sort of Ballina and through, you know, the state forests around there, Mount Warning and everything. And there's some great riding up there. Um, Beautiful. The trails and stuff. Yeah, it's magic. Um, yeah. So probably up up around there in Australia, that's probably, um, probably one of my favourite parts to sort of ride around. Do you tend to ride in groups often or are you more of a solo rider? Look, I, I, I do love the idea of riding solo, but I, I can probably get to a point sometimes where I'm riding and just go, oh, maybe I'll just turn around and go back now <laughs> if I'm by myself or take the easy way out. But I do like, um, I like both. It's, I guess it depends what, what kind of day you're having. And it, it's funny, I can probably go back as well to where we were talking about Sydney Cafe races and there was only one or two sort of Enfield riders there yeah. to start with. And I think it was 2014 when the Continental GT came out, which was an out-of-the-box, you know, cafe racer. There's probably maybe four of those came into the group. And then I thought, oh, why don't I just organise a, a ride? You know, it might be a bit, bit cheeky. Sorry, Mark Howe, if you're listening. Um, but why, why don't, um, don't I organise a ride with, with some of just the Enfield guys and see if they're keen to go for a bit of a burn? We'll all be at the same pace, you know. The Bonnies won't be leaving us behind, so That's right, yeah. <laughs> and we can all just sort of, you know, have have a bit of a yarn about infields and that. So, I started sitting infield riders. I think it was back in 2016, um, and that was primarily made to just find like-minded infield riders, and and just we know we're at the same sort of capabilities, um, you know, in terms of the bike's capability, yeah, and you'd know your distance of where, how far you wanted to go and where you'd want to break. So you weren't sort of, you know, annoying someone who's on a, you know, a 1200 or, or something like that. But, <laughs> but yeah, that group now, that's, that's sort of, we're up around 400 members, I think, or, or just over. We never get out with that many, but yeah. I think the most we've had has been probably 40 odd riders, I think, which, okay. which is pretty cool. That's a pretty big group. Yeah, it's 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 probably too big for my liking. Um, yeah. I, I, so I'm I'm somewhere between. If I'm not solo, I reckon five or six is is the max I kind of like. That way you can either sort of just make sure you you're pairing up with someone and um, uh, just you know keep an eye on your mates kind of thing. Yeah. 
No, I think that's a good manageable size because, uh, like you said, anything bigger than that, it does start getting a bit unwielding and uh, trying to organise that many riders to all, all stay in a pack can be hard as well. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And people have got different, um, I guess, thresholds or, or, or sort of, um, you know, abilities as well. And if, that's if, right. I, I've seen people come unstuck, you know, when they've tried to keep up with different groups. and, and Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it can be kind of dangerous, but... Um, yeah, I think smaller, yeah, around that sort of five or six is, is, is ideal. Absolutely, man. So with, with the history of Royal Enfields you've got and, and your passion for bikes and, and, and having taken responsibility by starting up these groups as well, is there, a, is there a dream bike that you have that, you know, the ultimate sort of, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's two. So, so one of them is the Coventry Eagle. Yeah. That's one I'd love to one day. There, there's one at the Powerhouse Museum, exactly the same as what my um, my granddad had, and that's oh, that's wow. the one I kind of every now and then, you know, if I'm in the city near there, I'll I'll, I'll sort of swing by and have a quick look at it <laughs> and drool, and be asked to leave. So that's that's probably <laughs> that's probably number one um, for nostalgia and uh, you know that sort of connection. But the second is it's a bit of a quirky one, and it's um, it, it's going to be Royal Enfield, of course, but it's a um, it's called a Royal Enfield Fantabulous, and it's a scooter. So around the sixties, I think when you know the, the craze of sort of Vespers and and that were were, were happening, uh, Royal Enfield made a made a scooter called the Fantabulous. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't think I'll, I have. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, but it um, it's it's cool as hell looking, and yeah. um, I'd, I'd just love to have one in the garage. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. You'd probably be one of the only people in Australia who maybe has one. Mate, I definitely would be. I know one person in India who's got one that's in mint condition. And even when you just send him a message just to say, hey, how are you going? You know, what's happening? You straight away get, no, it's not for sale. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's not there's not many of them out there, but that, that would definitely be on the list, I think. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, I'll, um, I'll see if I can um, add that to the show notes and maybe find some pictures of it online and yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can send you some pics for sure. Oh, fantastic, man! So I also want to want to talk about uh, burgers and beers, obviously. With uh, commuting around town, especially up up near you on the northern beaches, I would dare say there's a fair few places to to stop and eat a burger. And I and I, I believe you're a bit of a fan of burgers and beers, anyway. So, <laughs> mate, absolutely. This uh, this body was built for comfort, not speed. So uh, <laughs> I, I can absolutely uh, attest to having uh, you know multiple bi- uh, burgers and beers. I, I always say to people, I didn't get this looking at food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good call. But yeah, mate, look, we're we're actually really lucky here in um, on the on the beaches, and, and particularly close to me in Brookvale, which. You know, for the longest time, it still is, you know, an industrial area. There's a lot of, um, uh, I guess, mechanics, fabricating shops, things like that. But what comes with that, I guess, is the space um, where people can, you know, have one business and maybe try something else different out the front. So there's probably about six, I'm not even going to call them microbreweries, um, you know, legitimate breweries in in this area that you can actually do a pub call in between. Oh, wow. So you've got um, no... If I'm okay, I don't know if you've got any uh, competitive uh, sponsors on on the show. No, but, um, no, not. I mean, I, I have my show sponsor, but I'm always welcome yeah. to hear about other breweries, other beers, sure. and all that. And in fact, I, I tend to link them in the show notes for that episode. So yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Because so, one of so my like- one of my favourites up that way is Modus Operandi, which um, 
I, I used to perform at years ago actually and um you know i've had i've had the unofficial tour of the brewery and um oh, right. used, used to know some of the guys that, me yeah i'm a, I'm a full-time musician actually yeah Oh shit! I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, this this podcast actually started because I was bored during lockdown because I haven't worked in nineteen months. So, <laughs> right, okay. So, and, guitarist, you know, singer. I'm a bass player, and I, I bass player, right? Yeah, perform in a few mates' bands, but also do a lot of work with uh, larger production companies in Sydney. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, cool. No, I'm a, I'm a drummer, sort of by trade. So, oh, okay. Many years ago, oh yeah, man, I was. Yeah. I had no idea. Brothers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're the rhythm section. Yeah, yeah mate. We're keeping it together. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, nice one. Sorry, yeah, yeah, you were talking about the different breweries. So you mentioned some of your favourite ones around there. Yeah, so look, I, I'd probably call out the, the biggest that's that's around our area, which is Four Pines. You know, they, they make some great, some great sort of, uh, you know, boutique sort of crafty beers I, I think that, that you know obviously because of the scale now that they're at uh, or, or the size they're at they're um mass producing but still it's mate to go in there and and watch a watch a footy game at their truck bar in brookvale and uh and and have a burger or you know a couple of snacks and you know it's straight from the source it doesn't get much better it's it's it's, it's a pretty nice atmosphere you have to come down if you haven't been there and um and and try a couple of beers down there but um yeah, so there's there's that there's uh, Nomads as well, which is within walking distance. Um, Dad and Dave's is around the corner. Uh, Seventh Day Brewery. Um, there's uh, I think that's sort of the list at the moment. There's a few other little pubs that I think might have a few little known sort of brands there, but um, okay. yeah, they're, they're sort of the big ones that. Yeah. Um, have got sort of food trucks and stuff out the front of them as well. So they're, uh, yeah, great little venues to, to drop into. Oh, nice one, man. What would you say is one of your favourite beers or, or, you know, beers from one of the breweries with, 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 without without picking, like, you know, your, your favourite son or your favourite daughter kind of yeah. thing? <laughs> I, sure. don't know if, I don't know if you have an alliance with any of them, but what would you yeah. say is one? <laughs> oh, look, no, no alliances, but uh, if you're listening to Four Pines, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm open. Um, <laughs> Send no, him a I, case. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I buy enough of it. I should have shares in the company by now. But, um, <laughs> I, I'd probably say um, I'll, I'll go one for my favorite beer and one for uniqueness that I kind of, I get a bit irked out by, but I kind of go back to it every now and then. But um, <laughs> the Four Pines Pale to me is just, it's, it's pretty simple. It's a no brainer, you know, cold schooner of that is just heaven to me. It, it's, um, I guess it's probably going to take a place. Oh, I wouldn't take the place of the Cooper's, you know, sort of pale or anything like that. But um, I think it's definitely up there. It speaks for itself. Like it's, it's people buy it. So, you know, in, in, in drive. So it's, yeah. um, it, it's, it's a pretty generic beer, but it, I, I do love it. Um, but the one that kind of, I, I'm really intrigued by, and I, I won't say I drink a hell of a lot of it, but um, Nomads have got one called uh, Freshy Foam. Okay. So Freshy being freshwater beach, yeah. which is, you know, just up here. And it's kind of got a, um, like when you, when you pour it, it, it actually looks like, a wave that's just settled in on the sand. So the, the yeah, color right. of the beer is more blonde, looks like the sand, and it's quite a, a frothy beer. Okay. And you taste it, and it's almost a little bit salty as well. Right. Which is bizarre. But yeah. um, okay. I guess it's the whole experience of being on the beach is you have one of those. It's like, 
have I just sculled a mouthful of, of freshwater beach or am I actually going to get a little buzz here? I don't know, but um, <laughs> that's the one that's intriguing me at the moment. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that sounds interesting. I, I remember I remember having a, a a salty sort of tasting beer once and it was down, uh, there was a brewery and I th- it might still be there actually, I haven't checked, mm. but it's down in Wollongong near the, uh, oh, was it Wollongong? Down near the lighthouse. Uh, I think it was yeah. I'm pretty, actually, it was down in Wollongong because we were for. I was yeah. at a wedding down there, and and I had this like saltwater beer, and I remember because it came out on a paddle, and there was a whole bunch of different beers to try at this brewery, and one of them was that mm. one. There was a pumpkin flavored one, and they had done some wacky things, and this was like 20 years ago, before you know oh, the, wow. the whole okay. sort of scene had really kicked off here in in Australia, and. I remember trying the pumpkin beer and going, well, that's different. I'm not sure about that, but it's different. Sure. But then I tried the saltwater beer and it was just like, oh, no, I can't drink this. So I'm, Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, right? <laughs> willing to try it again. And if nomads yeah. are doing this, I might might have a go one day when I'm up there. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to reserve my opinion until after I try it just to make sure. Oh, man, I, I, I can guide you through those, um, I was going to say murky waters, but they're kind of uh, yeah, salty waters. You'll be fine. Uh, too easy, man, too easy. Yeah. Well, well, we'll definitely have to get myself up there one day and, and we'll hang yeah. out for a day and do a bit of a, a, a brewery. Uh, um, oh, a, bit, a bit of a tour, a bit of a pub crawl. But look. It, yeah, a bit I of think, a brewery crawl, yeah. Yeah. And, and what goes hand in hand with, with a lot of those breweries in Brookie is the um, – like I mentioned before, the kind of food trucks and, and yeah. you know, they've got burger burger joints sort of attached to them as well. Do you have any notable ones that are in the area? Yeah, so actually out the front of Surfside Motorbike um, Cafe or Garage, I should say, is um, a place called Chubbs, which is more of an American-style, um, I wouldn't say diner. It's, it's, you know, they do a lot of smoked kind of um, meats, pulled pork burgers and stuff like that, but they do you know your classic sort of smash burgers and cheeseburgers and and stuff like that which is you know i guess if you're bringing that from the states it's sort of all all, all the rage over there with you know burger scholar and and sort of all those kind of shows um on youtube but yeah they're, they're incredible they're they're fantastic it's like a i don't want to offend anyone with my pronunciation of the bun but a brioche brioche i don't know how you want to say it but i think i think it is brioche brioche okay we'll go with that um you know, classic sort of brioche bun, a couple of patties, loads of cheese, and um, it's the tater tots, I think, uh-huh. they serve with it, yeah. um, which I know Napoleon Dynamite was a huge fan of. Um, <laughs> but Get your man, own tots. Yeah, you're going to eat all your tots. Um, it, it's, it's a killer. It, it, is, it is seriously good. Yeah, I was going to say, I, was just, I, I think the DVD is like literally right next to me because my partner and I watch it on a regular basis. <laughs> or both for Pedro. I'll, I'll just we'll leave it at that. But um, <laughs> it, yeah. So, so that to me is probably one of my favourite burger places around locally. Um, so, Chubbs of Brookvale. Um, we did used to have a couple of other sort of standalone burger places like JB and Sons, um, and yeah, that's sort of they're the only ones that really come to mind. But. Um, yeah, there's a lot of places that are just doing that kind of you know food truck fare, some wings and, and and bits and pieces like that. But yeah, it's a good little spot. Oh, very cool, man. Well, I'll have to get myself up there, and I'll I'll put a link in the show notes down below for our listeners. And if anyone else wants to get out there, by all means, do so because it sounds like it's pretty delicious. Mm, sure is. 
Excellent, man. Well, before we finish up, uh, I just wanted to ask a, a question of, um, is there anything that you wanted to cover before we, uh, before we close? Oh, look, I think, um, you know, I, I'd like to give a shout out to, I guess, our sort of Aussie, you know, um, content creators in sort of the moto kind of space and music as well for me, um, as we sort of said before. You're a muso, I, I, I am too, although I haven't been active for probably a couple of years. But, um, you know, COVID's been such a such a, a, a really difficult time, um, you know, and, and finally we're seeing a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I lost a couple of mates through COVID, not because of them having the illness themselves, but through mental health issues and, yeah. you know, losing work as musicians and, and unfortunately, you know, they didn't make it through the other end. So yeah. I think um, in times like this, it's sort of, uh, although we're coming out of it, what I've learned like to sort of share or, or sort of cover off is, is like, you know, get, keep in touch with, with your mates. We so lose sight of, of um, you know, people we don't hear from for a while and think, oh, they'll be okay. He, this guy's always all right. But um, just pick up the phone, send a yeah. text message. It takes two seconds. You know, I've always been a big supporter of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride and sort of mental health charities and things like that. Um, and I think now more than ever, it's it's one of those things that, um, you know, we won't know the sort of fallout of, of COVID for a number of years to come with, you know, a lot of these kind of issues. But, yeah, I think now's the time to sort of reconnect with people and, and, and get out there and ride or, or, you know, go and support sort of live music at a venue near you and um, and just, just go hard, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Absolutely, man, I agree. I know there's a bit of a mix, mix, mixed message, but it, it's, it's something that... Um, you know, it, it's our time now to sort of to make of this what we want. You know, get out there and 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 um, and, uh, and and support your mates. Yeah, I think I, I think for me, I mean, what you know, I agree a hundred percent in regards to that. It, it get out there and, and support your mates and and support your local communities as well. You know, yeah. Um, and what what you know, one of the guests I had on the show recently was Paul from uh, the Harley Road Show and. He originally started his channel because he was going out there and uh, supporting his, his local community, you know, and, and sometimes that may mean uh, traveling one or 200 kilometers out somewhere, but he was going around and supporting local small businesses, cafes, pubs, clubs, all that sort of stuff. And and I think the importance of that doesn't just stop at your friendship with your mates or your family. It, it sort of, it should extend to everyone out here in Australia, you know, I mean, even in the world to some degree, but... I think uh, keeping it local is is quite important, and um, yeah, yeah. Make sure your mates are okay, and, and you know what, jump on a bike together and and go for a ride out to a, a country pub or you know a local community, camp out there a couple of nights and that sort of thing. Hundred percent. You know, to me that was one of those things that really sort of uh, stood out when I talked to Paul, and and same sort of thing. It's like you know, support your friends, support your family, and yeah, pick up the phone and ask them if they're okay, or text them or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, reach out, I think, is the important one, and I think I, I think even uh, that has that even has benefits to yourself as well. You know that you're, you're at least you're communicating with other people too. So, well, it's connection, right? And and that's that's, that's the key thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. man. I, I I think I think it's uh, significant importance to to do that and maintain that. So yeah, great. Awesome, man. We'll leave it at that. Th- again, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And hey, mate, my, my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And and hopefully um, pretty soon we'll get to actually meet up in person and have a beer and something and have a chat. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And what awesome. the, what bands were you playing with? Tell me, tell me um, about that. What you got to say? So yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I I play. righty, folks. That brings us to the end of our well, technically final episode of Bikes, Burgers, Beers. However, don't forget tune in next week because we will have our riding shotgun with Steph episode coming to you from the Grey Gum Cafe on the fourth of December. The show will air on the following Thursday. Fret not. It'd be great to have you there if you can make it to the cafe. So it'll be lots of fun to see you there. Please do come. Say hi. And make sure you meet all the other content creators who are planning on being there. There are loads. Most of the guys and girls who've been on the show and been interviewed are going to be there. Now, folks, as I said, we are coming to the end of the season of Bikes, Burgers, Beers. I have well and truly appreciated the amount of support, interest, and uh, dedication that all of you ladies and gentlemen have showed. I've received two pieces of feedback recently, which I'm going to talk about in the next episode that really just make it worthwhile and summed up the the reasons why I'm doing this and I just want to say an absolute thank you to not only those people for just taking the time and telling me that I'm on the right track you know your support even if it's quiet even if you just press the play button every week and you listen to me ramble on and talk to uh, amazing motorcyclists around Australia I just want to say you know your support counts as well so thank you all so much from the bottom of my heart i really do appreciate it my shirts have nearly sold out i'm gonna have to make another order i reckon i'm probably gonna sell everything i have left at the gray gum cafe so if you were thinking about grabbing a t-shirt or some stickers please hit me up on instagram the website will be worked on and finished during this break between season one and season two so look out for that but in the meantime you can hit me up privately and i can mail you out a shirt not a problem or some stickers as well to stick on your petrol tank or your helmet or the back of your car window if you please all right folks well i think i've said enough I'm looking forward to next season. Once again, thank you all so much for your love and support. Highly appreciated. Very, very much appreciated, in fact. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, as I always say, keep it twisted.